What's going on? Welcome to the show. I'm Pete Callender. Thanks for listening. Please, if you have a moment, subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already, if you have, thank you very much. Uh, the show is made possible by patrons. If you'd like to become a uh, patron as well, you can head on over to The Pete Callender Show, where I've got links to Pete's patrons. It's actually, the website is Patreon. That's the platform, so you can go directly there and search for my name, or you can just go to my website. Either way, uh, patrons uh, donate money, and uh, you get the cool bumper stickers, and you get access to the uh, the special content at Patreon, and, uh, and uh, we do some live streaming events, uh, one's coming up soon. And uh, when the COVID-19 is eventually passed, we will be doing some actual events. Um, Hopefully, this doesn't last so long. So some patrons I want to thank, Manuel and Mark and Marlon, Mary, Matthew, Matthew, Meredith, and Michelle. Those are the M's. Thank you very much for your support. I appreciate it. Also, thank you to Mattress Man. Uh, they got great mattresses at Mattress Man, but they also recognize that a lot of folks are, uh, you know, self-isolating, and so we're not uh, making the rounds as we used to. So you may not be going into one of their four showrooms in the area in Asheville or Arden or Hendersonville, and they get that, but they do ship nationwide, okay? And if you are local and you buy from them, you get the 120-day comfort guarantee. I mean, everybody gets that and ensures that you're going to love your mattress. Uh, but they also, if you're local, they have white glove delivery service, okay? And that is free. And if you use the special discount code that I'm going to give you here, you'll get an additional 20% savings site-wide, everything on their website, which they uh, completely overhauled uh, because they knew people were going to be hanging out at home for a lot uh, more hours of their days. And so they said, if you want to shop for a mattress, we're going to have everything we've got in stock in every one of our showrooms all over. It's all up at the website. They overhauled the website. Go to mattressmanstores.com and for the savings, 20% additional savings, RESTWELL is the code. RESTWELL, all one word, R-E-S-T-W-E-L-L, RESTWELL at mattressmanstores.com. Again, the 120-day comfort guarantee, you really can't go wrong. They've got inner spring mattresses, pillow top mattresses, natural latex mattresses. They have adjustable bases, which are great for uh, elevating your feet, which is great for circulation, elevating your head, which uh, helps uh, combat snoring. They also have memory foam. This is the mattress that uh, Christy and I purchased, a memory foam from them seven or eight years ago now, uh, and we say it's like sleeping on a big marshmallow. That's what it feels like to us. Is you go, you lay on it, and you just kind of sink in, and then it like forms all around your body. It's so comfortable. Great sleep we get. Uh, so you can experience the difference by going to Mattress Man yourself, mattressmanstores.com, buy local, and sleep better. All right, so a couple of things uh, uh, to get to today. First, um, do some uh, stats and some modeling here on the North Carolina numbers, but also I've got a chat with uh, Randy Houston, who is, uh, Randy Houston, is a, he's been in Western North Carolina radio for like 50 years or so now, and uh, I talked with him the other day because Randy got diagnosed with COVID-19, and I saw Randy almost three weeks ago, uh, and so 
I wanted to see how he was doing, and I asked if he would be up for a quick interview, and Randy, being the consummate pro, said, of course. <laughs> and so I talked with Randy. Uh, we'll, we'll hear that in a minute. I also want to get to some of this uh, accumulating stack of stuff that I have on China and uh, how they have been uh, handling uh, the epidemic, this pandemic, uh, and, and sort of, and, well, the lies that they have told at the outset and the new information that we are uh, now coming in, uh, uh, coming in to see that uh, this virus now probably didn't start in some wet market. There was a wet market near where it may have started, but where it may have started was actually a laboratory, not that it was made in the laboratory, but that it may have gotten out of the lab through accident, right? Somebody having it on their clothing or whatever. So, but we don't know, but the circumstantial evidence is pretty strong at this point. Um, so we're going to get to that after we talk with Randy Houston. But first, the coronavirus, this is according to the News and Observer story on a report that I've got in front of me here from the state uh, or sorry, from Duke and UNC researchers, okay? So the coronavirus could infect as many as 750,000 people in North Carolina by the end of May if social distancing policies are not extended past April, okay? So here we are, first week of April, April 7th, and these researchers are saying, look, at the end of the month when, you know, this order to stay at home and the social distancing and when this expires at the end of April, then uh, we're going to likely see an increase in the number of cases and a lot more pressure put on the hospitals and the number of beds, the demand for beds in ICU and acute care. The forecast is the composite of three different models by the scientists from Duke and UNC Chapel Hill and the models predict 250,000 people in North Carolina could be infected if the policies that we have right now get extended throughout May. Governor Roy Cooper instituted a stay-at-home order through April 29th. Many local governments have also put restrictions in place as well. The model is not an official product of Duke or UNC, but of the individual scientists who worked to aid the state. It was developed with the help of Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina, Novasi, and RTI International, uh, in addition to the universities. Now, there are currently more than 2,900 confirmed cases of coronavirus in North Carolina. More than 35 people have died from it. The state's first case was reported on March 2nd. Our population in the state is about 10.5 million people. So if a quarter million people are infected, According to the News and Observer, um, that amounts to 2.4% of the state's population. If three quarters of a million people are infected, that's like 7% of the state's population. This projection comes as a model created by the University of Washington researchers. This is the IMHE, the Institute for, or IHME, the uh, Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation. This is the one out of Seattle. Um where they said that they think about 500 people. Originally, they said 500 people will die. Um, oh, sorry. They're now saying 500 people will die in uh, North Carolina. The original projection was 2,500, roughly. So they've reduced their projections. Now, remember, the very early models they were saying on all of this was that this was with the social distancing and with uh, these types of uh, extreme mitigation measures put in place. 
And this prompted the question we played it the other day with John Roberts and Fox News when Roberts was asking, well, wait a minute, if you're telling us that all of these models assume the worst case, uh, or sorry, the most extreme um, mitigation efforts, then how do you think you're going to drive those numbers down, these projected numbers down? And that's when Dr. Fauci was like, well, uh, you know, the models, you're constantly getting new information in, and as you get more info, you're constantly adjusting the models. and, And I get that that you're constantly adjusting the models, but when the models are constantly being adjusted downward and we've already implemented the mitigation efforts that the models were relying on, supposedly, in order to drive down those numbers, I guess I'm kind of left in the same spot as John Roberts was. Like, I'm not understanding how you expect the numbers to go lower unless there was something wrong with the assumptions that the models were making at the beginning. So here is the uh, COVID-19 in North Carolina hospital capacity uh, preliminary estimate report. All right, so I have the actual report here. Um, And uh, the brief examines the probability that demand for hospital services is going to outstrip the state's available hospital acute and intensive care unit bed supply under two different scenarios. And the two different scenarios are one, so you're going to hear this referred to as lifted or maintained. And it's all about the social distancing scenarios, okay? Social distancing policies are only effective at slowing transmission if communities adhere to and support them. Keep in mind here, only effective at slowing transmission. This doesn't stop transmission. It just slows it. That's what all of this is about. So when you hear them talk about the number of total infections, that number probably will get achieved at some point, unless there's a vaccine, of course. But if there's no vaccine, the number of infections will be hit. It's just a matter of when, right? It's just a matter of of how long it takes to get to that number. And that's what flattening the curve means. It's so you don't overwhelm the healthcare systems. And they're saying, look, this is like a weather forecast. These projections, uh, predictions do not forecast an absolute outcome. For example, it's definitely going to rain on Thursday at 3.20 p.m. Rather, they say, they're characterizing the likelihood that certain outcomes will occur, like there's a 20% chance of rain on Thursday, okay? So this is what, so now we get to, yeah, so so now we're we're listening to the same kind of weather projections, like, oh God, you think you're frustrated with the the weather guy. Um, There are concerns that North Carolina may not have had, uh, may not have sufficient hospital capacity to meet potential healthcare needs resulting from this epidemic. Uh, Two responses that the state could pursue to minimize the possibility are flattening the curve, okay, and increasing the capacity of the system. One of the problems, not one of the problems, but the challenge of increasing capacity is it's not just a matter of, you know, setting up the beds. It's a matter of having the healthcare personnel to, you know, administer care, right? So scenario, and then to judge this, to generate some preliminary estimates about the social distancing policies, they went with these two scenarios, the maintain and the lift, all right? So maintain is keep in place, maintain a range of aggressive policies, and uh, scenario two is to um, lift those policies at the end of April. And they estimate the probability that demand for services would exceed available supply for the beds 
if we stretched our existing stock of acute and ICU beds to various thresholds in conjunction with or with the potential elimination of all social distancing policies. What does this mean? It means if you lift the social distancing policies, they're saying that by uh, throughout the month of May, there will be an increase and then sort of a leveling off uh, in the probability of the likelihood, the probability that they're going to run out of beds. And the difference is, well, let me skip to the end here. This is because there's a different, there's acute beds and there's the ugly beds. No, I'm kidding. It's the ICU beds. Okay, so there are two different beds. Acute care, they're saying that the peak stress for uh, if we maintain the policies, we maintain everything like we are right now through um, May, that we will see, in, we're, we're going to see an increase in the numbers through May. This is what they're saying. Regardless, there's going to be an increase in, in the numbers and such through May and uh, that the chance, this 25% chance that the acute bed capacity will be insufficient. So there's a 25% chance that if we keep everything in place, we're not going to have enough beds for acute care. And for the ICU, if we keep everything in place, it's going to be, chances are roughly about the same. 25% chance that we're going to uh, uh, not have enough beds. When it comes to um, when it comes to lifting all of these restrictions, the chances they say double, they go to 50%, a one in two chance that acute care beds will not be able to meet new demand. So that's that, that that's that's the the rub here is they're saying if we lift all of these policies, if we lift the social distancing and the stay-at-home orders, then chances are 50-50 that we're going to run out of bed capacity sometime around May or June. Meanwhile, in Henderson County, a North Carolina-assisted living facility there is the epicenter of the first outbreak of COVID-19 at a facility for seniors in western North Carolina. Henderson County officials told ABC affiliate WLOS that 23 residents, that's 23 out of about 60 residents, as well as staff members at Cherry Springs Village in Hendersonville tested positive for COVID-19. Officials say 50 people in the county have tested positive for the virus so far. Um, <clears throat> county officials said the facility saw its first case on April 1st, and public health officials opened an investigation into Cherry Springs Village, uh, which set, uh, sent a written statement over to WLOS-TV saying, quote, a number of residents and staff members at Cherry Springs Village in Hendersonville have tested positive for COVID-19. Those individuals are being treated in isolation by health professionals, and the community is under quarantine until further notice. Since early February, Cherry Springs Village has adhered to aggressive infection control policies in compliance with guidelines set by the CDC and the North Carolina State Health Department. We will continue to work with the local health department in maintaining the health of our community. We appreciate the support of our families and the public at this time. So either a couple of things, right? Either they implemented these really strict policies and somehow another COVID-19 got in anyway, which is kind of frightening, or they didn't implement the strictest of policies, but are saying they did, or, uh, you know, they, they thought they implemented the strictest of policies, but there was some gap someplace that they're just unaware of, or maybe it got in before. Meanwhile, Depending on how you run the numbers, unemployment in North Carolina has gone up by about 6,000% because of 
coronavirus. Unemployment-related calls to the 211 National Helpline operated by the United Way have jumped by uh, more in North Carolina than in any other state. Looking at the period from March 12th to April 2nd, researchers at Washington University in St. Louis counted a single call to 211 in 2019. So one call went to this number last year. And uh, this year so far, 834 calls. Um, Also, there is a wallet hub uh, study that came out citing Department of Labor figures and found North Carolina's unemployment claims are up by more than 6,000%. And comparing the most uh, recent week to the first week of the year, job losses here are up nearly 4,800%. North Carolina has the second biggest increase in unemployment due to coronavirus The only state that has been hit harder than North Carolina when it comes to the unemployment numbers is Louisiana. And uh, they've got a ton of cases there because they're attributing it to the uh, Mardi Gras. Yeah, that they refused to uh, cancel. A lot of things have been getting canceled. For example, Old Grouch's military surplus store in downtown Clyde. Uh, I talked to Tim earlier today. Uh, on Facebook, and he said that the shop is closed, but he's doing all of his stuff now online. He's been ramping up that whole uh, operation online for the last few weeks, and um, he told me to pass along to you a text number, okay? This is a text-only number. So what what is this for? You can send him an order via text. You can ask about an item that he's got at oldgrouch.com on his website, uh, or if you need some advice, Okay, you can uh, text him uh, to get advice on uh, preparedness, supplies, items, stuff like that. Also, by the way, EMS and law enforcement office, uh, officers, any professionals in EMS and, uh, and law enforcement, if you're looking for uniforms, and a lot of folks are kind of uh, coming back in, doing some work part-time, a lot of EMS people have to now change their uniforms more often, um, you can make an appointment with Tim at Old Grouches, and uh, he can help you get your uniform needs taken care of. Okay, so here's the number to text. It's an 828 number, 565-2497. 565-2497. This is just for the audience here at the Pete Callender Show. Okay? 565-2497. Make an order. Ask about an item. Get some advice. 565-2497. Oldgrouch.com is the website. Oldgrouch.com. Old Grouch's military surplus. It's uh, an old school traditional surplus store with a mix of modern and vintage items. Uh, and... Uh, Tell them you heard it here uh, at the show. Obviously, he's going to know you heard the text number because we're the only ones that he gave it to. 565-2497. Joining me now is Randy Houston. He is the morning host at WHKP in Hendersonville. uh, And I know him from his work at uh, my old alma mater, WWNC, as well. But Randy uh, has uh, recently been diagnosed with the COVID-19. And uh, so first off, Randy, welcome. And secondly, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Thank you, Pete. It's good to be with you again. We worked together several years and uh, miss working with you. So congratulations on your podcast. Well, thank you. I'm uh, holding my own. It uh, uh, started with uh, dry cough symptoms last Wednesday night. Thursday morning, I went on, did the morning show, felt fine. But Thursday afternoon, a fever started developing. And it's kind of been whoosh, all downhill since then. 
And so what I was reading up on before uh, before I got on the call with you was uh, the symptoms apparently in like 98% of the people, symptoms develop within like 11 to 12 days. And, um, and so that would, so if you kind of go back, that puts me in the studio with you and Rowena Patton on WWNC on a Saturday morning. And so I apologize if I was an asymptomatic unknown carrier. Um, <laughs> it was not my intention. Uh, and, and in of my course. defense, this was before the governor ordered everybody to stay home. So I still had, uh, I still had like uh, 48 hours left uh, before the order <laughs> took effect. So I can't really okay, be held but, completely accountable here. No, you can't. But uh, in your defense, Rowena's is fine. That's true. That's true. And so am I. And that's what's so weird about this is that it affects a lot of people differently in that some people uh, are completely asymptomatic or virtually asymptomatic, so mild that they wouldn't even notice it. And it's probably even more uh, uh, camouflaged now because you've got, uh, you know, allergy season and we had cold and flu season. So a lot of people might not even realize they had it. They just thought, oh, I've got a bit of a cold. And that could very well be true. Yeah, and and went to work anyway. So, uh, so you so you started feeling poorly, and so this is now day four or so. Has it been debilitating at all so far for you? Oh yeah, I have. Uh, I've been in bed literally, and one of the reasons that uh, the my personal physician and the health department triage nurse uh, cited as me not getting a test is uh, my ability to travel and drive myself and you certainly can't call a friend or you know somebody like that so i just really haven't felt like going and she and and both of those uh, uh, medical people advise just consider yourself uh, you know infected and stay at home uh, it has been debilitating fever uh running anywhere from 101 to 102 and a half um and lots of coughing and chest congestion. I, I do think I'm getting on the back side of this now. So we're talking Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Mondays. Today would be the fifth day. Yeah. And, and so I'm feeling like, you know, I still have uh, a low-grade fever this afternoon, controlling all of that with Tylenol. The coughing is a lot better, much improved. And so maybe I'm kind of getting on the back side of this appetite and sleep elusive hmm. just doesn't happen um crazy sleep stuff but of course you're dealing with a fever you know covers on covers off hot cold freezing you know it's that scenario goes on all night long and you get no sleep out of that then i i just really haven't been hungry but some beautiful friends left some homemade chicken noodle soup on the porch this morning and i actually had a bowl of that so I'm on the mend. Well, that's that. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about all of the the suffering, but good that you got some friends to drop you off some soup and let me know if I can do anything for you like that. I mean, if I gave it to you, I mean, I feel I'd only be responsible <laughs> to feed you now at some point. But, uh, so, the, so explain what happened when you started feeling poorly. When did you call your doctor? And 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 for folks who don't know how one goes about getting a diagnosis without actually getting a test. Like, how did that happen, and, and what kind of a timeline was that? Well, I kind of, that was Thursday afternoon. Uh, after, again, I had been on the air 
Thursday morning. Thursday afternoon, the fever starts up. That cough is continuing. I'm watching the news and saying, hey, this uh, looks like everything they're describing. So mm-hmm. I hopped on the video phone with the uh, private physician. Uh, she looks and asks a bunch of questions and and comes up with that uh, diagnosis. And um, and then Friday, I think it was, the uh, health department called and they'd got wind of it and kind of wanted to know where I've been. And so, and, you know, she confirmed again my uh, or that diagnosis and recommendation to just treat the symptoms, stay at home, run to the ER if it gets worse. So the, this presents sort of the challenge, right, is that you are uh, you're contagious, right? I mean, everyone is sort of in agreement that you've, that you've got it. So the idea is you're, you're contagious. So you don't want to go spreading it around. You also don't want to compromise yourself to, uh, somebody else if they've got something else. And now you're already, your immune system is already suppressed. And so you get, you pick up something else. But then how do you go get, uh, how do you go to get a test or get the, uh, the diagnosis or even get treatment? Um, right. The, you, you've got a way cost benefit there. Right. How, how do you make that call? How do you? Um, my point exactly. And uh, and it brings one to think, you know, do we really know how many cases of this there are? Right. How many pe- people are not being tested like myself? But you know that you have it from the symptoms. Uh, I've got a benchmark from a previous illness and and so, you know, you have it. They say you have it. They're they're the experts. There hasn't been a positive test. Right. And even I'm if sure. you get the test, some of those I'm reading, especially the ones that China was giving away, <laughs> they're not exactly reliable. I know that's going to come as a shock. A product from China, not exactly reliable. But it's like, that's, uh, but yeah, some of these tests that, uh, that, that, that are going, like you, you get false positives, you get false negatives. So it, it, it seems like as much of a, a crapshoot as anything else. Right. And a, time-consuming crapshoot. So, you know, you take a test, it's going to be a week or more before you learn the results of that. But stay at home, shelter in place, and treat the symptoms. So now you weren't even, you you said before uh, uh, we started the interview, you told me that you have already been getting your groceries delivered. Like you were not going out, like I go out, you know, uh, every fourth day or so and I get my groceries uh, for, you know, Christy and me, and then I come right home. And But you weren't even doing that, right? You were having your food delivered via a grocery delivery app, right? That's exactly right. Um, 99.9% of the time in the last two weeks, I have only gone to the radio station and back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who knows? And I've been super cautious because, uh, I I was told that my system's compromised. And, uh, so I've been super cautious. So you just don't know where this thing is lurking. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like I told you on Facebook that and your hobby of licking doorknobs (laughs) probably, (laughs) probably did you in here, you know? <laughs> and as I replied to you, only close friends know that about me. <laughs> right. So, and uh, and it, there you go. See, this is sort of a testament to Randy's uh, uh, set of pipes. Here is that uh, he, he still sounds 
like this, even with COVID-19, you still have a better radio voice than me. Um, oh, so, well, it's, it, it's true. And so, uh, so do you have any idea, uh, like, are they able to give you anything? You're just taking Tylenol and just, you, you just basically That's get it. this, uh, this, uh, this prognosis of, you just gotta, uh, you just gotta wait it out. You gotta just suffer. Ride through it, it out. That's it. That's that's it. And and according, I haven't talked to them or asked the question of, of my doctor, but, uh, you know, I'm curious. I mean, my biggest question is how much longer? How, when is this going to start, you know, subsiding? And, uh, and that answer is evasive, too. It, it seems like, you know, it varies on the degree of the virus that you caught or your... Uh, own personal system mm-hmm. uh i'm I, you know I, i've heard some people say you know three days 48 72 hours and others you know a week so i i don't know i like we talked i'm kind of in my fifth day now and uh, maybe some slight improvement the fever is still here but you know i'm con- i can control that um the lung congestion and the coughing is better than say saturday that's good. Yeah. So I, I think I'm making progress and, and hopefully within a couple of days here can feel sort of human again. Yeah. Well, I mean, and uh, if you're looking for a benchmark, do you think you would have been able to, to have this conversation two days ago? Were you, you know, in a, in, no. yeah, physically able That's to do that? That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right, Pete. That's right. Saturday, Saturday afternoon, I actually called the ER and just was kind of exploring around thinking about going thinking mm-hmm. about going to the ER thinking about following the advice of the medical professionals because I got a little scared Saturday afternoon I, I forgot that thank you for bringing that up that is the benchmark I don't have that anymore I didn't have that fear yesterday or today so yeah Saturday probably was the peak yeah well, in your defense, you were suffering from a fever, so it is possible that you didn't remember it because you were, you know, f- suffering with a <laughs> fever. That's you have an excuse. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, so, um, at any point, um, I'm sure you've heard. Uh, was it all of the the drugs that people are like? Oh, you need to take this drug. I've I've seen stuff oh, about like gosh. vitamin C and and zinc and Z pack and like all yeah. of these things. Ha- have you? I just know myself, like I would be on, you know, WebMD, I'd be Googling, like I'd be all over the internet when I'm not, you know, in my fever-induced stupor, I would be (laughs) trying to figure out something to take. Is there something I can take? Have you tried anything like that? No. No, I followed strictly the advice of the medical professionals. Uh, I am not one for trying any kind of experimental thing. Plus, you know, it's get out to get anything like that if i could you know i'm not i'm like uh i'm just like following their advice no and it seems to be working yeah i was gonna say no burning desire to just start like guzzling fish tank cleaner nothing like that (laughs) (laughs) i would i would caution against that just for the record not that, you're, not that I'm a professional or you're asking me, but I would caution against doing something like that. Um, I miss working. <laughs> so, I want no stress. Be a producer for the Pete Callender Show on live radio. 
<laughs> so, uh, well, Randy, you do sound in you do sound in good spirits, and I don't know if that's just because you're a pro, but you do sound in good spirits. You don't, and you you don't sound like uh, like like this has you know beaten you. So that's I take that as a good sign. Um, and Thank you. yeah, you seem. Uh, you seem pretty well just from talking with you. Uh, and so that kind of help. I mean, it helps make me feel a little bit better because I was very worried when I saw the post on Facebook and, um, and I know people are very worried. I saw the reactions. I was reading the comments. People were really worried. So hopefully hearing your voice like this, make people yeah. feel a little bit better about your situation and maybe, you, you know, that you feel better about your situation. Cause you do sound, you, and that's the key, I think, for a lot of uh, illnesses. You sound in good spirits. Like you, well, you know, you you battled uh, through a bunch of stuff already, and so you know that. Thank you, Pete, I, and I thank you to all of those people for all of those comments and all those sentiments and all of those gifts of food and everything. I'm so my heart is overflowing. I, you know, tomorrow, Pete, tomorrow marks the fiftieth year that I've been in broadcasting all in western north carolina started as a 16 year old kid on april 7th 1970 wow and uh so you know 50 years of being on the radio every day well you you gain a lot of friends yeah you make a lot of friends and uh, they're all coming out of the woodwork now and i tell you that will help your attitude more than anything and yeah, it's one of the things that I learned even just, I, I didn't do 50 years, but it's one of the things I learned, uh, when I got, uh, let go at, uh, WWNC was all of these yeah. people and the just overwhelming amount of support and kindness. And, um, it's, it, it, and I said at the time, it's easy to forget because you sit in a room and talk to a wall. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's easy to forget the, all the people that you're actually talking with sometimes, like the, the connection that you're having, um, and uh, it's, well said. It, yeah, it's, it's it's easy to kind of lose lose sight of that until something like this comes up. And I'm glad you get to to experience it. I'm glad you get to see that level of uh, of support and kindness uh, while you know while you can enjoy it. You know, it's good to see. It's good to yeah. It's good to know. Heartwarming. Yeah. It really is heartwarming. It really is. And thank you for your call. Absolutely. I'm so happy for you. Wonderful to be on your new show. Well, yeah, you're one of the uh, you're one of the first guests now. Like, uh, there's only been about I don't know ten or so of you. You are in oh. uh, rarefied company right here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pleased. I'm pleased. Randy Houston is the morning host at WHKP in Hendersonville, and uh, speedy recovery. All the best and prayers for you and uh, and your recovery, Randy. We appreciate you making time for us. Thank you, Pete. Bye bye. All right. The last time that I saw Randy was like. Three weeks ago, when I was in the studio at WWNC with Rowena Patton, uh, recording her weekend show, uh, and uh, it's one of the things that I, I love, well, used to love to do, was to be able to hang out with Rowena and talk about real estate, but all sorts of other stuff. And obviously, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about COVID nineteen and how it was impacting the real estate industry. And one of the things she said at, uh, at the time, though, was that like a lot of people are now moving to video uh walkthroughs and stuff but this is something she's been doing she and her team the all-star powerhouse team they've been doing this since 2007 okay and she understands that everybody's plans have now been upended she gets it if you were thinking about buying or selling a home a month ago you may have put all of those plans on hold if you haven't please give her a call 333-4483 but even if you have put these plans on hold give her a call and talk with her about what the industry is looking like what are the trends and she can help you be ready for when you do decide 
to you know make that decision when you do decide to say okay we're we are going to move ahead with buying or selling so whether you want to move ahead now or you want to put it off she's a great uh, sounding board so you can get some advice 333-4483 she's uh the uh the longest running uh advertiser i've had on my program uh she she believes in 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 the show and she wants to be a part of it and wants uh, all of y'all to give her a call at 333-4483 if you're looking to buy or sell call the only agent that i would call 333-4483 mountainhomehunt.com is the website mountainhomehunt.com and start packing <clears throat> there's a fella named michael oslin and i uh truth be told had not heard of him before all of this stuff with uh, uh the coronavirus and the chinese uh, role in it um I, i'd never heard of the guy before but i've been reading a lot of his work not like i've gone to seek him out it just happens to be that i come across a piece i start reading it and i'm like oh this is a pretty good piece and oh look at that it's that michael oslin guy so michael oslin is a fellow at stanford university's hoover institution he's the author of a book called asia's new geopolitics and this piece appeared uh, March 31st at National Review, headlined, Why China Must Be Held Accountable for the Coronavirus Pandemic. Um, and he says there are three main reasons why. Okay, number one, morality. Number two, political governance. And number three, the future. So no pressure here, right? I mean, the stakes, the stakes could be, you know, bigger. It's just the future. <laughs> so morality. General Secretary Xi Jinping's regime has refused to accept responsibility for allowing the epidemic to spread uncontrolled. Chinese officials knew of the seriousness of the pandemic as early as December, yet they waited weeks to begin restricting travel, allowing scores of Wuhan residents to visit relatives elsewhere in the country and abroad for the Lunar New Year celebrations. That spread the virus all over the place. British scientists have argued that if Beijing had acted three weeks earlier, it could have reduced the spread of the virus by 95%. That's incredible. Also, the Chinese lab um, destroyed samples. It punished doctors and citizens who were trying to uh, warn people about the plague, refused foreign offers of help, and they dramatically underreported the number of deaths in Wuhan. Uh, in Wuhan, And uh, they uh, no longer uh, were reporting new infections in China. They quit reporting infection numbers, and they kicked all of the journalists out of their country. These are not the actions of a nation that is interested in cooperation. Okay, and I know this is going to strike a lot of people uh, as inflammatory or uh, not helpful in the situation, but this is why I keep saying, blame China. These are not the actions of a nation interested in cooperating. If they were, and, and there are people like, well, we need to cooperate now, maybe, but these are not the actions of a nation interested in cooperation. If they are going to be helping us in any way, shape, or form, it's not because they actually care to cooperate. It's because they have made a calculated decision that the juice is worth the squeeze for them, that there's more benefit to be derived for them, and only them, right? There's more benefit for them by helping in some way, shape, or form. Uh, look at the the story on this the sending out of PPE, the personal protection equipment, what masks and uh, 
those uh, uh, uh well you got the face masks yes but also they got like the the visors i think was another one they sent like tests and such and all of this stuff was garbage like they they, they, they were all they were all failing the tests weren't working right the masks weren't uh, uh weren't uh made properly and I know, like, these are all defective things, and, like, we shouldn't be surprised that they're coming from China. Like, China specializes in in sending us defective merchandise. I get it, but um, why would they do that? They did it for the PR, right? They, this is now a propaganda effort that they are engaged in. Again, these are not the actions of a nation interested in cooperation. In short... Oslin says the CCP, Communist China, <clears throat> for which for years has claimed to be a responsible member of the global community, showed its true colors when this crisis hit. It can no longer be denied that this regime is a danger to the world. Justice demands it be held morally culpable for its dangerous and callous behavior. Okay, so that's the morality argument. The global governance argument. As legal expert James Kraska has noted, China was morally and legally bound as a party to the 2005 international health regulations. They were supposed to, quote, provide expedited, timely, accurate, and sufficiently detailed information to the World Health Organization about potential public health emergencies. And I think that would include the coronavirus. What do you think? Do you think? I think COVID-19 would be included in that language. Part of the treaty that they signed, right? Instead of doing so in this case, Beijing actively misled the World Health Organization about the crucial fact that the pathogen was transmitted between humans. Furthermore, he says, um, the corruptibility of longstanding intergovernmental organizations like the WHO is more apparent now than ever before. Moreover, despite being portrayed as a selfless provider of medical aid to other affected countries, Beijing is actually reaping hundreds of millions in profits by selling equipment to panic-stricken governments abroad. Much of that is useless and is being returned by Spain, the Czech Republic, and Malaysia, among other countries. This normalization of misbehavior cannot be allowed to stand for the sake of global governance. And finally, so we went over morality, we went over global governance, and now the future. The third reason Beijing must be held responsible is to prevent another pandemic from ravaging the world in the future. Italy has been devastated by the Wuhan virus, uh, partly because it hosts a huge number of Chinese tourists as well as workers in the northern manufacturing regions where the virus first emerged. There are over 300,000 Chinese living in Italy. If Beijing escapes blame, or worse yet, if it actually earns global plaudits and praise for its actions, then no country will feel the need to be honest with the world when another epidemic breaks out and the same deadly fiasco will repeat itself. He's exactly right. Jim Garrity at National Review has been doing great work on this as well. Um, he has a piece here, uh, and he, he quotes heavily from, and I'm going to mispronounce this, I know it's called Caxin or, or Cation Global, C-A-I-X-I-N, Global. And... Um, this is, it's, he's got it explained here what it is. It's like, well, it's, it, it is, uh, Cakes and Global, here it is, a respected independent publication. Um, Chinese laboratories identified a mystery virus as a highly infectious new pathogen by late December last year, but they were ordered to stop tests, destroy samples, and then suppress the news. 
A regional health official in Wuhan, center of the outbreak, demanded the destruction of the lab samples that established the cause of the unexplained viral pneumonia on January 1st. Again, that's not the act of a nation or a regime that is interested in stopping the spread of the virus. The first thing they do is what? Rush off to destroy the lab samples that establish the cause. Why? Unless, of course, you don't want people to know what the cause was. China did not acknowledge human-to-human transmission until more than three weeks later. And that's uh, that's the three-week window where we could have limited 95% of the spread of this virus globally. The detailed revelations by Keixin Global, a respected independent publication, provided the clearest evidence yet of the scale of the cover-up in the crucial early weeks when the opportunity was lost to control the outbreak. As word of a mysterious virus mounted, Li Wenliang shared suspicions in a private chat with his fellow medical school graduates. The doctor said seven people seemed to have contracted SARS, the respiratory illness that spread from China to more than two dozen countries and left hundreds dead in the early 2000s. One patient was quarantined at Dr. Li Wenliang's hospital in Wuhan. He urged people to be careful. He and seven other doctors were quickly summoned by Chinese authorities for propagating rumors about SARS-like cases in the area, but their warnings were prescient. Soon, health officials worldwide would be scrambling to combat a novel virus with a striking genetic resemblance to SARS. And the Chinese authorities spent January denying it could spread between humans, something that doctors had known was happening since late December... And they went ahead with their Chinese Lunar New Year banquet involving tens of thousands of families in Wuhan anyway. And then 7 million people left Wuhan afterwards. 7 million people. If you were trying to spread a plague, I'm not sure what you would do differently. We're in this mess in large part, Garrity writes, because of the decisions of the Chinese government. And once it's safe to come out, we're going to face some extremely consequential decisions about how we choose to treat the Chinese government after their catastrophic secrecy, cover-ups, blundering, and disregard for human life around the globe. Andrew Kerr, investigative reporter, writing a piece called Exclusive, Coronavirus Experts Says Virus Could Have Leaked from Wuhan Lab. A molecular biologist who has been quoted as a coronavirus expert by the Washington Post and MSNBC said last week in no uncertain terms that the novel coronavirus that leads to COVID-19 could have been unleashed due to a leak from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. China's top virologist on bat-borne viruses, a woman by the name of Shi Zhengli, was, uh, has sworn her life sorry, sworn on her life that the virus did not leak from her Wuhan lab, saying that its spread was, quote, nature punishing the human race for keeping uncivilized living habits. Is that something a, is that something you would think a doctor would say? A, a virologist, somebody who studies viruses and works in a lab, runs like this big science-y kind of operation. Do you think that's something... That that somebody uh, 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 of that profession would say nature's punishing the human race for keeping uncivilized living habits. Does that sound like a little bit of a dodge, a little bit of a blame shift there? 
It's not our lab. Our lab didn't do it. What are you talking about? It's just nature punishing us because we eat crazy things, you know. But Richard H. Ebright, or Ebrit, Ebright, Ebrit. Anyway, uh, he's a professor of chemical biology at Rutgers University. He told the Daily Caller News Foundation that there is a real possibility that the virus entered the human population due to a lab accident. When asked specifically if he believes the virus could have leaked from Xi Zhengli's lab in Wuhan, he said, quote, yes. And then he added, a denial is not a refutation. He's exactly right. Simply saying it didn't come from your lab doesn't mean it didn't come from your lab. Okay. He says, especially not a denial based on nature punishing the human race for keeping uncivilized living habits. And while she now tells those who question whether her lab could be connected to the release of the coronavirus to, quote, shut their stinking mouths, she previously, I'm not kidding, these are direct quotes that she has said to people now. She previously said that she lost sleep worrying about the possibility that her lab in Wuhan could have been responsible for the virus's release. She contributed, by the way, she's known as uh, the Bat Lady or Bat Woman because she has spent almost two decades going into bat caves and such, hunting for all of these bats. She, uh, she contributed to a study published in February reporting that the novel coronavirus is 96.2% identical to a viral strain that was detected in horseshoe bats from the Yunnan province. However, two Chinese researchers noted in a separate paper in February that the horseshoe bats that are known to carry the nearly identical viral strain, well, they live like 600 miles away from Wuhan. The researchers also said that uh, they've got testimony from 60 people who live in or visited Wuhan saying that the bat was, quote, never a food source in the city and that no bat was traded in the wet market. The the wet market, by the way, do you know how close it is to her lab? 280 meters. <laughs> okay? 280 meters. That's not very far, folks. That's like almost spitting distance. Okay? Almost. Um, the bats were at her lab, right? They didn't fly 600 miles to land in the wet market, okay? And uh, apparently the 60 testimonials that these researchers got from people who live and work in that area, they're like, oh, no, they, they don't sell bats in that wet market. The killer coronavirus probably originated from a lab in Wuhan, said the two Chinese researchers. This is in a paper that was uploaded to a website called ResearchGate on February 6th, okay? That paper got taken down within a week, where, sorry, eight days, February 14th or 15th, according to the Internet Archives. The paper's lead researcher, a fellow by the name of Bo Tao Chow, did not return any emails seeking comment. ResearchGate also did not respond when asked about the paper's removal from their site. Ebright, the Rutgers University molecular biologist, told the Beijing-based news outlet Chaixing Global in February that while there is, quote, no basis to suspect the virus was engineered, the available data indicates that the virus's introduction into human populations could be attributed to either natural causes or a laboratory mishap. Now, what are the chances that a lab in China would allow a really deadly virus to escape? If not intentionally, accidentally. Like, is this something that happens? Well, glad you asked. As a matter of fact, it does happen in China. 
pretty regularly, I guess, in my lifetime. I'm old enough to remember SARS. That one escaped. Yeah, that came out of the lab. Deadly viruses have escaped Chinese labs. The SARS virus escaped not once, but twice from the Chinese Institute of Virology in Beijing in 2004, one year after the virus was initially contained. The Chinese government has been widely criticized for misleading the world about this virus's outbreak in the early stages, and one of the first doctors in Wuhan, the Dr. Li Wenliang, he died from COVID-19 in February after he was told to shut up and stop making false statements, false comments, right? Because he was trying to warn people, guys, this thing is infecting people to people. And the government said, shut up, made him recant, they censored him, and then he died from it. And then they have fin- the Chinese government came back later after he was dead and said, our bad. Yeah, you were right about that. Another Chinese doctor, Ai Fen, claimed she was, or maybe it's, uh, this was a new one, AI, that's her name. AI, Fen. A. Fen claimed she was silenced by her bosses when she tried to warn about the virus during its early stages. A's whereabouts as of this weekend? Unknown. According to 60 Minutes Australia, uh, they can't find her, and this has sparked fears that she too has now been detained. And on Wednesday, a top Chinese health official announced that the country will begin counting coronavirus cases from patients that show no symptoms. So asymptomatic patients, they're now going to start counting that number, which is what? That is a tacit admission that China had underreported its official tally of known coronavirus cases since the very beginning of the pandemic. This is, I know the media here in America is going to be hardest hit by this because they were all excited that America's number of cases had exceeded the Chinese number of cases. They were like, oh, look at us. We have more cases now. Trump stinks. China has basically just acknowledged that they've been undercounting all this time. Because of course they did. They're communists. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like the show, please uh, download, subscribe, and uh, give a positive review. I'd appreciate that. And uh, you can also go to thepetecalendarshow.com for more details and all of your links. Talk to you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.